Chapter Twelve of Alice of Old Vincennes by Maurice Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twelve, Manon Lescaut and a rapier thrust. Beverly's absence was not noticed by Hamilton until late on the following day, and even then he scouted Helm's suggestion that the young man was possibly carrying out his threat to disregard his parole. He would be quite justified in doing it. You know that very well," said Helm with a laugh and he's just the man to undertake what is impossible of course however he'll get scalped for his trouble and that will cost you something i'm happy to say it's a matter of small importance hamilton replied but i'll wager you the next toddy that he's not at the present moment a half mile from this spot he may be a fool i readily grant that he is but even a fool is not going to set out alone in this kind of weather to go where your rebel friends are probably toasting their shins by a fire of green logs and half starving over yonder on the mississippi joking aside you are doubtless right beverly is hot-headed and if he could he'd get even with you devilish quick but he hasn't left vincennes i think miss roussillon would keep him here if the place were on fire hamilton laughed dryly he had just thought what helm was saying beverley's attentions to alice had not escaped his notice speaking of that girl he remarked after a moment's silence what am i to do with her there's no place to keep her and farnsworth insists that she wasn't to blame he chuckled again and added it's true as gospel he's in love with her too seems to be glad she shot him says he's ashamed of himself for ever suspecting her of anything but being a genuine angel why he's got as flabby as a rabbit and mumbles like a fool same as you or i at his age said helm taking a chew of tobacco she is a pretty thing beverley don't know his foot from his shoulder-blade when she's anywhere near him boys are boys i'm a sort of a boy myself if she'd give up that flag i'd let her go said hamilton i hate like the devil to confine her it looks brutal and makes me feel like a tyrant have you ever happened to notice the obvious fact governor hamilton that alice rossillon and father beret are not all the french in vincennes what do you mean i mean that i don't for a moment believe that either the girl or the priest knows a thing about where that flag is they are both as truthful and honourable as people ever get to be i know them somebody else got that flag from under the priest's floor you may depend upon that if miss roussillon knew where it is she'd say so and then dare you to make her tell where it's hidden oh the whole devilish town is rotten with treason that's very clear there's not a loyal soul in it outside of my forces thank you for not including me among the loyalists humph i spoke of these french people they pretend to be true but i believe they are all traitors you can manage them if you try a little jolly kindness goes a long way with them i had no trouble while i held the town hamilton bit his lip and was silent helm was exasperatingly good-tempered and his jocularity was irresistible while he was yet speaking a guard came up followed by jean the hunchback and saluting said to hamilton the lad wants to see the young lady sir hamilton gazed quizzically at jean who planted himself in his habitual attitude before him and stared up into his face with the grotesque expression which seems to be characteristic of hunchbacks and unfledged birds the look of an embodied and hideous joke well sir what will you have the governor demanded i want to see alice if you please 
what for i want to give her a book to read ah indeed where is it let me see it jean took from the breast of his loose jerkin a small volume dog-eared and mildewed and handed it to hamilton meantime he stood first on one foot then the other gnawing his thumbnail and blinking rapidly well helm just look here what manon lescaut and what's that haven't you ever read it read what this novel manon lescaut never read a novel in my life never expect to hamilton laughed freely at helm's expense then turned to jean and gave him back the book it would have been quite military had he taken the precaution to examine between the pages for something hidden there but he did not go give it to her he said and tell her i send my compliments with great admiration of her taste in literature he motioned the soldier to show jean to alice it's a beastly french story he added addressing helm immoral enough to make a pirate blush that's the sort of girl mademoiselle roussillon is i don't care what kind of a book she reads blurted helm she's a fine pure good girl everybody likes her she's the good angel of this miserable frog-hole of a town you'd like her yourself if you'd straighten up and quit burning tow in your brain all the time you're always so furious about something that you never have a chance to be just to yourself or pleasant to anybody else hamilton turned fiercely on helm but a glimpse of the captain's broad good-humoured face heartily smiling dispelled his anger there was no ground upon which to maintain a quarrel with a person so persistently genial and so absurdly frank and in fact hamilton was not half so bad as his choleric manifestation seemed to make him out besides helm knew just how far to go just when to stop if i had got furious at you every time there was overwhelming provocation for it hamilton said you'd have been long since hanged or shot i fancy that i have shown angelic forbearance i've given you somewhat more than a prisoner's freedom so you have so you have assented helm i've often been surprised at your generous partiality in my case let's have some hot water with something else in it what do you say i won't give you any more advice for five minutes by your watch but i want some advice at once what about that girl turn her loose that's easy and reputable i'll have to i presume but she ought to be punished if you'll think less about punishment revenge and getting even with everybody and everything you'll soon begin to prosper hamilton winced but smiled as one quite sure of himself jean followed the soldier to a rickety log pen on the farther side of the stockade where he found the prisoner restlessly moving about like a bird in a rustic cage it had no comforts that gloomy little room there was no fireplace the roof leaked and the only furniture consisted of a bench to sit on and a pile of skins for bed alice looked charmingly forlorn peeping out of the wraps in which she was bundled against the cold her hair fluffed and rimpled in shining disorder around her face the guard let jean in and closed the door himself staying outside alice was as glad to see the poor lad as if they had been parted for a year she hugged him and kissed his drawn little face you dear good jean she murmured you did not forget me i brought you something he whispered producing the book alice snatched it looked at it and then at jean why what did you bring this for 
you silly jean i didn't want this i don't like this book at all it's hateful i despise it take it back there's something in it for you a paper with writing on it lieutenant beverley wrote it on there it's shut up between the leaves about the middle Shh! not so loud the guard'll hear you alice breathlessly whispered her whole manner changing instantly she was trembling and the colour had been whisked from her face as the flame from a candle in a sudden draught she found the note and read it a dozen times without a pause her eyes leaping along the lines back and forth with pathetic eagerness and concentration presently she sat down on the bench and covered her face with her hands a tremor first then a convulsive sobbing shook her collapsed form jean regarded her with a drolly sympathetic grimace elevating his long chin and letting his head settle back between his shoulders oh jean jean she cried at last looking up and reaching out her arms oh jean he is gone 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 jean stepped closer to her while she sobbed again like a little child she pulled him to her and held him tightly against her breast while she once more read the note through blinding tears the words were few but to her they bore the message of desolation and despair a great haunting hollow voice in her heart repeated them until they echoed from vague distance to distance it was written with a bit of lead on the half of a mildewed fly-leaf torn from the book dear alice i am going away when you read this think of me as hurrying through the wilderness to reach our army and bring it here be brave as you always have been be good as you cannot help being wait and watch for me love me as i love you i will come do not doubt it i will come and i will crush hamilton and his command courage alice dear courage and wait for me faithfully ever beverly she kissed the paper with passionate fervour pouring her tears upon it in april showers between which the light of her eyes played almost fiercely so poignant was her sense of a despair which bordered upon desperation gone gone it was all she could think or say gone gone jean took the offending novel back home with him hidden under his jerkin but beverley's note lay upon alice's heart a sweet comfort and a crushing weight when an hour later hamilton sent for her and she was taken before him her face was stained with tears and she looked pitifully distressed and dishevelled yet despite all this her beauty asserted itself with subtle force hamilton felt ashamed looking at her but put on sternness and spoke with apparent sympathy miss roussillon you came near committing a great crime as it is you have done badly enough but i wish not to be unreasonably severe i hope you are sorry for your act and feel like doing better hereafter she was trembling but her eyes looked steadily straight into his they were eyes of baby innocence yet they irradiated a strong womanly spirit just touched with the old perverse mischievous light which she could neither banish nor control when she did not make reply hamilton continued you may go home now and i shall expect to have no more trouble on your account he made a gesture indicative of dismissal then as she turned from him he added somewhat raising his voice and a further miss roussillon that flag you took from here must positively be returned see that it is done she lifted her head high and walked away not deigning to give him a word humph what do you think now of your fine young lady he demanded turning to helm with a sneering curl of his mouth 
she gives thanks copiously for a kindness don't you think poor girl she was scared nearly out of her life said helm she got away from you like a wounded bird from a snare i never saw a face more pitiful than hers much pity she needs and greatly like a wounded bird she acts i must say but good riddance if she'll keep her place hereafter i despise myself when i have to be hard with a woman especially a pretty one that girl's a saucy and fascinating minx and as dangerous as twenty men i'll keep a watch on her movements from this on and if she gets into mischief again i'll transport her to detroit or give her away to the indians she must stop her high-handed foolishness helm saw that hamilton was talking mere wind vox et preteria nihil and he furthermore felt that his babbling signified no harm to alice but hamilton surprised him presently by saying i have just learned that lieutenant beverley is actually gone did you know of his departure what are you saying sir helm jumped to his feet not angry but excited keep cool you need not answer if you prefer silence or evasion you may want to go yourself soon helm burst out laughing but quickly growing serious said has beverley been such a driveling fool as that are you in earnest he killed two of my scouts wounded another and crossed the wabash in their canoe he is going straight towards kaskaskia the idiot hurrah for him if you catch your hare you may roast him but catch him first governor you'll joke out of the other corner of your mouth captain helm if i find out that you gave him aid or countenance in breaking his parole aid or countenance i never saw him after he walked out of this room you gave him a devil of a sight more aid and countenance than i did what are you talking about broke his parole he did no such thing he returned it to you fairly as you well know he told you he was going well i've sent twenty of my swiftest indians after him to bring him back i'll let you see him shot that ought to please you they'll never get him governor i'll bet high on him against your twenty scalp lifters any day fitzhugh beverley is the best indian fighter daniel boone and simon kenton accepted in the american colonies on her way home alice met father beret who turned and walked beside her he was so overjoyed at her release that he could scarcely speak but held her hand and stroked it gently while she told him her story it was beginning to rain a steady cold shower when they reached the house and for many days and nights thereafter the downfall continued almost incessantly dear child said father beret stopping at the gate and looking beseechingly into alice's face you must stay at home now stay in the house it will be horribly dangerous for you to pass about in the village after your after what has happened do not fear father i will be careful aren't you coming in i'll find you a cake and a glass of wine no child not now then good-bye good-bye she said turning from him to run into the house come soon i shall be so lonesome on the veranda she suddenly stopped running her fingers about her neck and into her bosom oh father father beret i've lost my locket she cried see if i dropped it there she went back to the gate searching the ground with her eyes of course she did not find the locket it was miles and miles away close to the heart of her lover if she could but have known this it would have comforted her beverley had intended to leave it with jean but in his haste and excitement he forgot writing the note distracted his attention 
and so he bore alice's picture on his breast and in his heart while pursuing his long and perilous journey four of hamilton's scouts came upon beverly twenty miles south of vincennes but having the advantage of them he killed two almost immediately and after a running fight the other two attempted escape in a canoe on the wabash here firing from a bluff he wounded a third both then plunged head foremost into the water and by keeping below the surface got away the adventure gave beverly new spirit and self-reliance he felt that he could accomplish anything necessary to his undertaking in the captured pirogue he crossed the river and to make his trail hard to find sent that little craft to drift down the current then alone in the dead of winter he took his bearings and struck across the dreary houseless plain toward st louis as soon as hamilton's discomfited scouts reported to him he sent longhair with twenty picked savages armed and supplied for continuous and rapid marching in pursuit of beverly there was a large reward for bringing him in alive a smaller one for his scalp when alice heard of all this her buoyant and happy nature seemed entirely to desert her for a time she was proud to find out that beverly had shown himself brave and capable it touched her love of heroism but she knew too much about indian warfare to hope that he could hold his own against longhair the wiliest and boldest of scalp hunters and twenty of the most experienced braves in hamilton's forces he would almost certainly be killed and scalped or captured and brought back to be shot or hanged in vincennes the thought chilled and curdled her blood both helm and father beret tried to encourage and comfort her by representing the probabilities in the fairest light it's like hunting for a needle in a haystack going out to find a man in that wilderness said helm with optimistic cheerfulness and besides beverly is no easy dose for twenty red niggers to take i've seen him tried at worse odds than that and he got out with a whole skin too don't you fret about him miss roussillon little help came to her from attempts of this sort she might brighten up for a while but the dark dread and the terrible gnawing at her heart the sinking and despairing in her soul could not be cured what added immeasurably to her distress was the attention of farnsworth whose wound troubled him but a short time he seemed to have had a revelation and a change of spirit since the unfortunate rencounter and the subsequent nursing at alice's hands he was grave earnest kindly evidently striving to play a gentle and honourable part she could feel that he carried a load of regret that he wanted to pay a full price in good for the evil that he had done his sturdy english heart was writing itself nobly yet she but half understood him until his actions and words began to betray his love and then she hated him unreasonably realizing this farnsworth bore himself more like a faithful dog than in the manner hitherto habitual to him he simply shadowed alice and would not be rebuffed there can be nothing more painful to a finely sympathetic nature than regret for having done a kindness alice experienced this to the fullest degree she had nursed farnsworth but a little while yet it was a while of sweet influence her tender woman nature felt the blessedness of doing good to her enemy lying helpless in her house and hurt by her own hand but now she hated the man and with all her soul she was sorry that she had been kind to him for out of her kindness he had drawn the spell of a love under which he lived a new life and all for her yet deep down in her consciousness the pity and the pathos of the thing hovered gloomily and would not be driven out the rain in midwinter gave every prospect a sad cold sodden grey appearance the ground was soaked little rills ran in the narrow streets the small streams became great rivers 
the wabash overflowed its banks and made a sea of all the lowlands on either side it was hard on the poor dwellers in the thatched and mostly floorless cabins for the grass roofs gradually let the water through and puddles formed on the ground inside fuel was distant and had to be hauled in the pouring rain provisions were scarce and hunting almost impossible many people especially children were taken ill with colds and fever alice found some relief from her trouble in going from cabin to cabin and waiting upon the sufferers but even here farnsworth could not be got rid of he followed her night and day never was a good soldier for he was that from head to foot more lovelorn or love docile the maiden had completely subdued the man about this time deep in a rainy and pitch-black night gaspard roussillon came home he tapped on the door again and again alice heard but she hesitated to speak or move was she growing cowardly her heart beat like a drum there was but one person in all the world that she could think of it was not m roussillon ah no she had well-nigh forgotten her gigantic foster-father it is i ma chérie it is gaspard my love open the door came in a booming half-whisper from without alice jean it is your papa roussillon my dears let me in alice was at the door in a minute unbarring it m roussillon entered armed to the teeth the water dribbling from his buckskin clothes pouf he exclaimed my throat is like dust his thoughts were diving into the stores under the floor i am famished dear children dear little ones they are glad to see papa where is your mamma he had alice in his arms and jean clung to his legs madame roussillon to be sure of no mistake lighted a lamp with a brand that smouldered on the hearth and held it up then satisfied as to her husband's identity set it on a shelf and flung herself into the affectionate group with clumsy abandon making a great noise oh my dear gaspard she cried as she lunged forward gaspard gaspard her voice fairly lifted the roof her great weight hurled with such force overturned everybody and all of them tumbled in a heap the rotund and solid dame sitting on top oof not so impetuous my dear puffed m roussillon freeing himself from her unpleasant pressure and scrambling to his feet really you must have fared well in my absence madame you are much heavier he laughed and lifted her up as if she had been a child kissing her resonantly his gun had fallen with a great clatter he took it from the floor and examined it to see if it had been injured then set it in a corner i am afraid we are making too much noise said alice speaking very low there is a patrol guard every night now if they should hear you sh whispered m roussillon we will be very still alice is there something to eat and a drop of wine handy i have come many miles i am tired hungry thirsty zif alice brought some cold roast venison a loaf and a bottle of claret these she set before him on a little table ah this is comfort he said after he had gulped a full cup have you all been well then he began to tell where he had been what he had seen and the many things he had done a frenchman must babble while he eats and drinks a little wine makes him eloquent he talks with his hands shoulders eyes madame roussillon alice and jean wrapped in furs huddled around him to hear 
he was very entertaining and they forgot the patrol until a noise startled them it was the low of a cow they laughed and the master of the house softened his voice Monsieur roussillon had been the guest of a great indian chieftain who was called the gate of the wabash because he controlled the river the chief was an old acquaintance and treated him well but i wanted to see you all gaspard said i was afraid something might have happened to you so i came back just to peep in i can't stay of course hamilton would kill me as if i were a wolf i can remain but an hour and then slip out of town again before daylight comes the rain and darkness are my friends he had seen simon kenton who said he had been in the neighbourhood of vincennes acting as a scout and spy for clark presently and quite casually he added and i saw lieutenant beverley too i suppose you know that he has escaped from hamilton and here a big mouthful of venison interfered alice leaned toward him white and breathless her heart standing still then the door which had been left unbarred was flung open and along with a great rush of wind and rain the patrol guard five in number sprang in m roussillon reached his gun with one hand with the other swung a tremendous blow as he leaped against the intruders madame roussillon blew out the light no cave in the depth of earth was ever darker than that room the patrolmen could not see one another or know what to do but m roussillon laid about him with the strength of a giant his blows sounded as if they smashed bones men fell heavily thumping on the floor where he rushed along some one fired a pistol and by its flash they all saw him but instantly the darkness closed again and before they could get their bearings he was out and gone his great hulking form making its way easily over familiar ground where his would-be captors could have proceeded but slowly even with a light to guide them there was furious cursing among the patrolmen as they tumbled about in the room the unhurt ones trampling their prostrate companions and striking wildly at each other in their blindness and confusion at last one of them bethought him to open a dark lantern with which the night guards were furnished its flame was fluttering and gave forth a pale red light that danced weirdly on the floors and walls alice had snatched down one of her rapiers when the guards first entered they now saw her facing them with her slender blade levelled her back to the wall her eyes shining dangerously madame roussillon had fled into the adjoining room jean had also disappeared the officer a subaltern in charge of the guard seeing alice and not quickly able to make out that it was a woman thus defying him crossed swords with her there was small space for action moreover the officer being not in the least a swordsman played awkwardly and quick as a flash his point was down the rapier entered just below his throat with a dull chucking stab he leaped backward feeling at the same time a pair of arms clasp his legs it was jean and the lieutenant thus unexpectedly tangled fell to the floor breaking but not extinguishing the guard's lantern as he went down the little remaining oil spread and flamed up brilliantly as if eager for conflagration spluttering along the uneven boards kill that devil cried the lieutenant in a strangling voice while trying to regain his feet shoot bayonet in his pain rage and haste he inadvertently set his hand in the midst of the blazing oil which clung to the flesh with a seething grip hell he screamed fire fire two or three bayonets were levelled upon alice someone kicked jean clean across the room and he lay there curled up in his hairy night-wrap looking like an enormous porcupine at this point a new performer came upon the stage a dark-robed thing so active that its outlines changed elusively giving it no recognizable features 
it might have been the devil himself or some terrible unknown wild animal clad somewhat to resemble a man so far as the startled guards could make out it clawed right and left hurled one of them against the wall dashed another through the door into madame roussillon's room where the good woman was wailing at the top of her voice and felled a third with a stroke like that of a bear's paw consternation was at high tide when farnsworth who always slept with an ear open reached roussillon place and quickly quieted things he was troubled beyond expression when he found out the true state of the affair for there was nothing that he could do but arrest alice and take her to hamilton it made his heart sink he would have thought little of ordering a file of soldiers to shoot a man under the same conditions but to subject her again to the governor's stern cruelty how could he do it this time there would be no hope for her alice stood before him flushed dishevelled defiant sword in hand beautiful and terrible as an angel the black figure man or devil had disappeared as strangely as it had come the sub-lieutenant was having his slight wound bandaged men were raging and cursing under their breath rubbing their bruised heads and limbs alice mademoiselle roussillon i am so sorry for this said captain farnsworth it is painful terrible he could not go on but stood before her unmanned in the feeble light his face was wan and his hurt shoulder still in bandages drooped perceptibly i surrender to you she presently said in french extending the hilt of her rapier to him i had to defend myself when attacked by your lieutenant there if an officer finds it necessary to set upon a girl with his sword may not the girl guard her life if she can she was short of breath so that her voice palpitated with a touching plangency that shook the man's heart farnsworth accepted the sword he could do nothing less his duty admitted of no doubtful consideration yet he hesitated feeling around in his mind for a phrase with which to evade the inevitable it will be safer for you at the fort mademoiselle let me take you there End of chapter twelve